Hello and welcome to Talking Solutions. This is a sixth podcast from the Association for Solutions Focused Hypnotherapy. I'm Sally Hare. And I'm Trevor Eddles and we're both experienced solution focused hypnotherapists. Today we're really pleased to have Dr Chris Irons with us. Welcome Chris and thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be here with you. It's lovely to have you here. Chris is one of the leading trainers and supervisors of compassion focused therapy and has worked with Paul Gilbert, its developer, since 1999. He regularly presents in the UK and internationally on CFT, and more generally, self-compassion, including presenting a very well-received talk for Action for Happiness last spring. In his therapeutic work, Chris strives to create a safe, caring and containing space to support people in exploring their distress and finding ways to alleviate this. Chris is the author of five books, including The Compassionate Mind Workbook, CFT from the Inside Out, and the Compassionate Mind Approach to Difficult Emotions. He's also one of the co-developers of the newly launched Self-Compassion app, the world's first compassion-focused app for Android and iPhones. I remember, Chris, you pointing out we spend more time alone with our own thoughts than we do with anybody else, so it makes sense to cultivate self-compassion. How would you describe compassion-focused therapy in a nutshell? (laughs) It's a a great question, Trevor, and a difficult one to put in a nutshell. Um, I mean, I think that that point that you're making, though, is a really interesting one when when you really get people to slow down and think about it, which is this real sense that we're we're so used to thinking about being caring and kind to other people. uh, And that's a wonderful thing. And, And if we think, of course, our relationships with others, you know, matter hugely in our lives and shaping our sense of self and our well-being and uh, our physiology and so on but you know if you do add up every single hour that you're in relationship with somebody else it it comes nowhere close to the amount of hours you're in relationship with yourself and the the tricky thing with that then is that given that you spend vastly more time in relationship with yourself than you do with other people we spend such a tiny amount of time focusing on the type of internal relationship that we have and tragically as As you both will know, uh, for some of us, and for many of us, in fact, we can actually have a very hostile, critical way of being with ourselves, which we wouldn't really be like that with anybody else that we love or care about in the world. So there's a sense of of sort of being out of balance with this. And so I guess if I segue a little bit into uh, uh, CFT then, so compassion-focused therapy is a a sort of very uh, integrated uh, science-based psychological uh, uh, approach to understanding, I guess, human suffering and distress, but also well-being and flourishing. And it was initially developed by Paul Gilbert uh, over many decades, actually, to initially actually to start working with people who uh, had a lot of problems with uh, high levels of shame and self-criticism and who often came from very traumatic backgrounds. Uh, But actually, as time's gone on, this approach is used for uh, for anyone, really, because the main thing about compassion is that compassion is about engaging with suffering and distress and trying to relieve it. And of all the 8 billion people on this planet, one of the only things that all of us will share is that at various stages of our life will experience pain and, and suffering and distress. So essentially, compassion is this amazing resource once we can cultivate our compassionate minds because it really is something which is central to the human experience which is that we, we struggle and that we experience pain and so that's why uh, for us this is such an important I guess concept to see if we can find ways of spreading this as far and wide as possible of course 
you know, it wasn't Paul or us who just came up with this idea of compassion. Compassion has been talked about and theorized about both in the West for, you know, two and a half thousand years and not longer. And of course, uh, within Buddhist uh, principles in particular, again, for what, two and a half thousand years, it's been seen as central to, uh, uh, to many Buddhist ideas and practices. But how we take uh, this idea and concept of compassion, and crucially, as we might come on to think about what we talk about, three flows of compassion, so the compassion that you can have to somebody else who might be struggling and in distress and your desire to want to relieve that distress for them. The second flow, which is when you're struggling, can you be open to seeking out and receiving other people's kindness, care and compassion? And then a, a third flow, which is self-compassion. So when you're in distress, when you're in need, can you turn up for yourself basically as you would do for a good friend or family member? And can you try to engage with your own pain and your distress and, and find ways to alleviate it? And, and in CFT, then we focus on all three of those flows of compassion and try to support people to, to cultivate the ability to, to, I guess, be with all three of those flows and in doing so, how that can benefit their life. Thanks, Chris. That's, that's really helpful. I'm really sorry for my dog muscling in on the act. <laughs> I mean, there are several parallels between compassion-focused therapy and solution-focused therapy. You know, the play between our primitive survival brains and our rational brains, for one. And also that key belief that individuals hold the wisdom and resources to solve their own challenges. And the concept of tapping into our compassionate selves and leaning in towards difficulty like, really resonated with me. Could you talk a little more about that, please? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, uh, and it goes back to Trevor's question just a moment ago, CFT uh, uh, draws from and links to and overlaps with a, a wonderful broad array of different sciences, uh, from evolutionary ideas to attachment theories, economic principles, uh, cognitive behavioral theory. I mean, there's so many different things that CFT draws from, including research on the brain, neuroscience, neurophysiological stuff. And of course, as I was just saying, uh, wonderful ideas and principles from uh, Buddhism and, and so on. And the beauty within that, I guess, and, and, and touching on your question there, Sally, is that what we're trying to get at in terms of CFT is that we've all been born with a capacity for different motives. Now, how those motives, those behaviors that emerge from that, our emotions that we can all experience, how that gets textured, of course, is shaped by our experiences. And mm -hmm. it turns out many of those experiences we don't choose. Mm -hmm. But what happens in a way, a little bit like your garden, that if you just allow your garden to grow, it will just grow in whatever way it will grow based upon the soil that's there, the seeds that are already present, the plants that are already there, how much sunshine and rain it gets. And, and in a way, if people are okay with how their garden looks, that's fine. And the brain is a bit similar. In a way, our bodies are a bit similar. They will just grow in the way that their conditions and their underlying genes and so on will allow them to. But the key thing for us then is that actually within all of this, we have the seeds for some different things. So we have the seeds potentially for uh, being very competitive. We have the seeds inside of us potentially for being harmful to each other and to other animals and to the planet. But also we have evolved this amazing capacity to be caring, to be compassionate. And the key thing there within the CFT point of view is a bit like a, a muscle. Can we decide to train that capacity? Mm. So we all have the capacity for it. Mm. How well uh, it's developed and strengthened over the years will vary massively across a population. And so what we're suggesting is that we can target this muscle of compassion and some of the competencies that go with it, things like wisdom, strength and courage and 
a sort of commitment to be helpful, not harmful. And so within that, then we would suggest that we have the capacity often for not only care, but also for an understanding about what might be needed. Although we would argue probably in CFT that when it comes to say wisdom, that wisdom is that sort of combination in a way plus sort of knowledge plus experience. Mm. So what sort of knowledge are we helping people to learn about, about the nature of being human, about the nature of how the mind works, about how so much of what goes through your mind is not your fault at all. You didn't choose this stuff. Yeah. And the, the fact that in a way the brain is flawed, it's, it's very mm. tricky. And so what we try to do is to uh, share with people and help them to learn more about the nature of being human. And in that sense then, as they're acquiring some of this knowledge, wisdom of course can begin to emerge out of that because you can begin to recognize that instead of beating myself up and getting caught in self-criticism and self-hatred, if I could step back and look at this, I didn't choose to have a mind and body that can do these things. I didn't choose so many of my experiences in life. I didn't choose so much of what goes through my head, but if I can become aware of this, step back from shame and blame, and mm. then learn how to wisely take responsibility for what does go on inside my mind and some of the difficulties I face, then of course, mm. I'm more likely to get into being able to do helpful things. We can tap into that sort of intuitive wisdom uh, about what would be useful. And, and I guess just the final thing to say, it's not always the case, but often we have more ideas about what we could do to help somebody else that we care for than we do about ourselves. <laughs> so in that sense, how do we tap into a sense again of, of being able to uh, get past or step aside of some of the defenses, some of the barriers, some of the internal processes like shame and blame and self-criticism mm. that stop us from applying the same wisdom and knowledge to ourselves that we would be suggesting. Mm you know, to other people that I guess as clinicians and as therapists that we're, you know, we're, we're uh, big proponents of this, aren't we? The sort of ideas and the things that we try to help other people for, we're not always the best at doing it ourselves. But <laughs> outside of that, you know, you just recognize people find it really hard to take their own advice. They find mm. it really difficult to actually hold themselves and apply uh, a sense of care inwards as they might do outwards. Mm. Yeah, brilliant, so true though. Um, Okay, my next question is, if someone's listening and realises that they could do with a little more self-compassion in their lives, what would be your top tips for first steps they could take? Well, the wonderful thing there, Trevor, is that uh, people have actually done a really important thing, which is a, about awareness and noticing that they might need something. And actually, that really gets into the heart of the definition that we use in CFT. So the definition of compassion uh, that we hold is that compassion is a sensitivity to the suffering of self and others with a commitment to try and relieve that suffering and prevent it returning. Now, in a way, the first part of that definition, it's a bit technical, but we often talk about it as the, the first psychology of compassion is about awareness, about sensitivity to distress and suffering. So I guess the uh, what would be an analogy? Uh, if, if you're um, uh, making your, your lunch later on and you're slicing up some, uh, I don't know, tomatoes or cucumber to go into your salad, and as you're slicing away, you don't notice, you, you cut your finger and your feeding, finger's uh, bleeding quite badly, of course, not noticing that it's bleeding is, is a big issue. Uh, of course, it could get, your finger could get infected. I guess if the cut's that bad, you could actually bleed out, you could die. So the point there is that awareness and attention of something allows you to do something helpful. 
If you're inattentive, if you're not aware, then of course that's tricky. And so going back to your point, Trevor, the fact that somebody's becoming aware that they might need self-compassion, i.e. they're aware that maybe they're in distress, they're in pain, they're finding life difficult in some way, is a wonderful first step. That is in a way, a, a fantastic stepping stone towards something else. Because if you don't notice that you're distressed, if you don't notice or even realize that you might be caught in a cycle where actually you know, self-compassion isn't even on the landscape because you're not aware, then of course it's unlikely anything else follows. So the first step is awareness and noticing. And in a way within that holds that motivation to yourself that you matter, that your distress matters. And then the next stepping stone is where it gets interesting because the next stepping stone in terms of tips is that it almost depends on you learning about what's most helpful for you in terms of self-compassion. Now, what I guess I mean, if I was to give an analogy here, if I were to say to the two of you or to any of your listeners, okay, you need to get fit. There's not just one way of getting fit. Of course, some people's way of getting fit is they love running. But for lots of people, the idea of running is it's, it's horrible. <laughs> like, no way I'm doing that. But if you said to them, here's a lovely swimming pool that's nice and warm, how uh, about you go for a swim three times a week? Oh, yeah, I love swimming. It's fantastic. I really enjoy that. Or some people love walking. You know, oh, yeah, I've got this beautiful uh, woodland behind my house. I love, you know, so the idea here then is that there's lots of different ways of getting physically fit. And how do we help people to find the right patterns, the right ways for them to do it? Is it on your own? Is it with other people? Is it playing a sport? Is it doing this? Is it doing that? In a way, when it comes to self-compassion, there are so many different ways that you can begin to tone up your capacity to be compassionate with yourself. And what we've been trying to do at Balanced Minds is to give people different options in a way. So, for example, you mentioned earlier about the, uh, the self-help books on compassion that I've uh, uh, co-authored and, 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 and authored so that's one way some people love self-help books and that's the routine other people can't stand reading and doing that kind of stuff so another way might well be through the self-compassion app so they've got a little bit more uh, easily accessible material there they can listen to uh, uh, meditations very easily and practices and they can do some sort of interactive stuff on the phone but of course other people can't stand using their phones they already feel that they're on their phones too much <laughs> and therefore it might well be there that actually just having some audio guidelines where you can sort of sit quietly in whatever room you're on and be guided into some of the practices that we found through scientific research help to boost compassion maybe you can use those as the guided bit and then of course there's there's therapy if you wanted to keep on going up the ladder, of course, it might well be that we need somebody else or maybe you need a group of people who are wanting to go through a process of learning about how to cultivate their compassionate minds. And so, again, we've been trying to provide these different opportunities a little bit like with exercise. You want people to have a choice. And so what I would say is if people are, are open to the idea, please take a look at our website. Uh, there's others, of course, as well. And you'll begin to find the sort of following stepping stones. But the key thing is you've become aware in the first place that you might need this thing in your life and from there of course you can start to look at lots of different ways of helping yourself brilliant do you want to give us your website while you're here yes so it's uh, our website is www.balancedminds.com so uh, hopefully it's a, a useful resource for people thank you yeah and i love that that no one size fits all you know start from where you are 
you know, and it's going, it's, it's really helpful to have that sort of personal kind of say. And, you know, as you said, there are some lovely resources as the books you've written and there's the online course on the balance yeah. lines website and, and this fantastic new app, which I've downloaded and I've been doing the daily reflections every day. And I really like that, you know, just when you wake up sort of, you know, full of what I've got to be doing today, and you get that little reminder to take a moment, what would be good about today? And then in the evening when you, you've collapsed in a heap again, you know, so like, well, what have I, why am I grateful? You know, what am I grateful for? It's been, you know, it's really great. If people are interested in that, do you want to say a little bit more about the app, what they might find? Yeah, the, the app is, uh, um, is based upon our Compassionate Mind workbook. And we were approached by a, a, a wonderful app developer or company called Sides. And their whole idea was to try to take self-help books and to translate them basically into apps, which mm. I just thought made so much sense really in the yeah. way that we're living. And so the, the app has sort of 28 different sessions. It's kind of like a course. Uh, so that as time goes on, it's this unfolding aspect of learning about your mind and learning about compassion and then cultivating your compassionate mind. And the nice bit about it is that you can either read a short amount of information for each session or you can listen to a, I, I guess, a, a spoken version of it. So you can select between the method in which you are taking in the information. And then I think there's something like 70 different exercises that you can practice, which on one way or another have all been shown to cultivate uh, capacity for things like mindfulness and, and self-compassion and compassion for others but even for things like working with shame and self-criticism and so on so we've tried to unfold it a bit like a course really in which you can take and you've kind of got others supporting people there and as you say little prompts and ways in which you can remind yourself to to keep on cultivating your compassionate mind and crucially when you notice that you're getting caught up in threat system and you're struggling in some way here's an opportunity to be able to turn to something which is in your pocket and can guide you in a way of walking down a slightly different pattern or a different pathway. And I think the, the little reminders and prompts are quite good because we can get sort of stuck in the way we the way we do our days. So just like, oh, oh, another notification. Oh, actually, yes. It's really nice to say I can take a moment, I can take a breath, you know, and get out of that cycle, which is all too easy to kind of fall into. <laughs> exactly. Okay, Chris. So can you tell us what plans you have for the future? Yeah, one of the things that I've been really uh, passionate about uh, through a lot of my career was, was I guess, initially working with people who had very uh, severe and enduring uh, mental health distress. Um, so a lot of my career, I was working on inpatient wards and community mental health services and using CFT as a way to work there. And I found it very inspiring and I was very passionate about that and I still am. But as my career has gone on, one of the things I've, I've got very um, uh, excited about, I guess, passionate about too, is that whilst I love being a therapist, if I were to have every single hour of my working life start working individually with people, of course, I, I hope I can help people, but I'm always going to be really limited to the, the range, the scope of people that I can bring change to. And so maybe in the last decade, I've been really trying to prioritize taking the ideas of CFT and trying to uh, allow them to be spread into the general population more. And I guess that's partly why you know, doing sort of talks and presentations in sort of general public forums instead of sort of more therapy spaces has been important. I think writing the books, that's been a big motivation for me to try to get these ideas out there. Uh, the app, of course, again, it's another way that anywhere in the world somebody can download this and start to be able to develop uh, um, uh, their compassionate minds. And so the bit that I guess I'm really uh, excited about in this next step of my career is 
can we start uh, doing this in such a way in which we do more research to try to back up what it's like for people at uh, at various different stages, maybe of their life cycle, or uh, depending on the level of difficulties or distress, what's it like for them to use something like the app or to use maybe one of our online self-compassion courses and to see whether this helps to alleviate stress. So outside of you being able to work directly with me as a therapist, can I take some of these ideas and the practices and can you access them from the comfort of your own home, maybe never seeing a therapist and never having to necessarily even, I guess, the barrier of say cost or stigma of therapy or whatever else it might well be, can actually you begin to learn about your mind, learn about the nature of being human and learn ways to practice becoming more compassionate with yourself and others. And hopefully, or certainly so far based on the research that we have published, this seems to be helpful, but we need to do more research to show how it's helpful and who it's helpful with. And so what we're going to be looking at hopefully is in terms of a dimension of levels of distress from say relatively low or mild levels of distress all the way up to sort of more severe levels of distress, where or when might we be able to use say the self-compassion app and these online self-compassion courses as sort of self-help tools uh, and who could that help with? At what, what sort of stage would you need to transition from using these online self-help resources into needing another person to guide you and support you in that process, maybe like with therapy? And, and then based on that, to see if we can then start to, uh, uh, I guess, disseminate uh, more opportunities in the right places for people to be able to, to learn about this stuff. And, and I guess the second thing, if I can just add in, apart from sort of working on that individual mm-hmm. level, I'm also really, really passionate about um, how we can take the ideas of compassion and care and uh, instill them, I guess, the ideas of CFT into organizations. Uh, As you probably know, uh, organizations uh, can be the source of our suffering. They are things which sadly create all sorts of uh, problems and pain Mm -hmm. for, for human beings. And apart from sleeping, you'll spend more time at work than anything else that you do in life. And so the interesting thing there is, is the organization that you work in one that is caring and supportive and compassionate of you as a human being and of your needs and well-being? Or are you sadly working in an organization in which you're ignored or you're criticized or you're bullied or, you know, all of those things about your well-being are really ignored? So what we're going to try to do is see if we can take a lot of these ideas. I mean, we're doing it in places already and so are some colleagues but really see if we can work on this within an organizational structure, compassionate leadership training, and and seeing if we can begin to orientate organizations so that they're not just focused on competition and and getting stuff done and and, and becoming more efficient and making more money. I mean, of course, that sometimes, of course, has to happen, but can we also instill this idea of compassion and care that runs fundamentally through an organization in which, of course, any greatest resource for any organization is the people that work there. And how do we help people to know how to, to I guess, really operate in a caring and compassionate way within their day-to-day uh, businesses and workplaces? So, yeah, those two things, I guess, are two two major things for the future. <laughs> Thank you. That sounds really exciting, actually, sort of taking it onto another level. <laughs> so I hope so. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much, Chris. It's been really interesting meeting you and hearing all about balanced minds and compassion-focused therapy. That's about it for this podcast. I know we've given you all some food for thought and hopefully we've encouraged you to practice a little self-compassion too. 
Next time, we're looking forward to talking to Susan Rodriguez and Stuart Taylor from Clifton Packless Hypnotherapy Training in Bristol. Yeah, so it's goodbye from our guest, Dr. Chris Lyons. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for having me again, folks. Oh, more than welcome. And for me, Sally Hare. And it's goodbye from me, Trevor Edwards. <laughs>